Praise God. If you're able to be seated this morning. Praise the living God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lamb. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to Joshua. Joshua, the sixth chapter. Actually, the fifth chapter. And then flip on over to Joshua, the 15th chapter. This message has been germinating for a few weeks. Had to close up for the weather. The Lord moved in a different way last week. And then also the Lord gives you time to chew on it a little more to say what he wants to say. And for that, I'm thankful. I want to talk to you this morning about the dream realized. The dream realized. I understand the response of that altar for those of you that came down today. Is anyone that is pursuing after God has had to make those steps faith toward God to discover his merciful kindness and his goodness and to realize that the Lord is not looking for the for the equipped he's not looking for the able he's not even looking at your strength he's wanting to know will you be surrendered to his will let him work through your weakness he doesn't care where you come from He's concerned about where you're going. If we had to be judged according to from where we have come from, guess what? We would all be disqualified to work in the kingdom of God. But today, I just want to share with you something I believe that will enable you. As we look to the word of God, we see that a few weeks ago, we kind of started out on this, this thought, the dream realized. And we looked, at, we looked at Caleb in the 14th chapter of Joshua and how that Caleb was 40 years of age when he went into the promised land. And then he went back out into the wilderness with all the naysayers and the ones that wouldn't believe in the promise. But he was one of the generations that he and Joshua of the 12 spies, he and Joshua were the only two that believed that God was able and that God would use them. And so here is Caleb, and he comes back into the land of promise, and now it's 45 years later, and he has still got his eye on that hill that he saw 45 years earlier. Now, he tells, and as Joshua is there, he said, on that day you swore an oath, the land on which your foot treads shall be your inheritance. So here's Caleb, and he's held on to that promise. He wasn't so much worried about the occupancy, the occupants of his promise, but he wanted that place of promise. Now, 
the place that he had picked out had three giants living on that region in that area. Wasn't just the giants, but there were several of a race of giants that lived there, but three are mentioned. Caleb said, it didn't make me any difference. That's where I'm going. That is what I want. I know as a child growing up in a dysfunctional home and with mentally ill parents and a suicide father and an abusive stepfather, it didn't make me any difference how many giants were standing on that hill of promise when I came of age and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I said, I will not. It doesn't matter what it costs me, but I'm going to pass it on to my children. It doesn't matter how much it costs me in order to live in joy, live in fulfillment, live in peace, live in promise. I don't care what I have to do, but I am not going back into that wilderness of shame. I'm not going back into that place. Lo and behold, God had a call upon my life like he's got a call upon your life. And let me clue you into something today. Every one of you are born into this world with the dream God has for your life. There are those that responded, and some of you are just wiping the sweat from your brow, saying, thank the Lord I dodged that bullet, but let me tell you, the call of God is without repentance. You have a call upon your life. Some have surrendered, some have not. But here is Caleb, Joshua 15 and 14. Caleb drove out from there three Anakites. Anakites were a race of giants. He drove out Shisha, Ahiman, and Talma. Today I want to talk to you about Shisha. Now it's interesting as you look at, you hear that name, it may not mean anything to you, but you, you look it up in the original meaning of that name. It's interesting to me, his name means six. The number six. That may not mean anything to you either. Unless you understand that the number six represents the number of man. So, bringing it more down to home... What I see in that is this, in order for me to occupy that place of promise, let me say it this way, in order for me to occupy that place of promise, I got to conquer my greatest deterrent, which is not Satan, which is not a political party which is not a world religion, which is not sin, but my greatest opponent to occupying the place of promise is self. And those of you that responded to the altar and those of you that are, 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 are still holding on and listening to God, and I don't fault you for not coming down here, and, and the Lord is dealing with you in, in your heart, let me tell you, your greatest challenge will not be another person. 
It will not be another entity. It will not be an organization. It will be yourself. Your flesh. Your carnal man. Your insecurities. Your fears. Your regrets. Your sorrows. You are your greatest deterrent. Now we see here. Shusha means six, representing, in my estimation, uh, he represents the flesh. The flesh is the human nature. It is the earthly nature of man, the earthly nature of fallen man, apart from divine influence. So it is obstinate against God. Your flesh is enmity it is resistance toward God your flesh it is where the 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 fallen nature of man intersects and intertwines with your soul that's what we refer to as the flesh when man fell there was a new operating system that took place he went from a spiritual being led by, by God, and now he is led by what he can see, taste, touch, or feel. He went from a spiritual man to a sensory, being dictated by everything around him. And we are all subject to that because we are born into a world, and there's a struggle that takes place in our heart. It's the struggle between the, between the flesh and the spirit. But let me tell you, the spirit man is attuned with God. He has been born again. He is connected, and he is divinely influenced. And if you will follow him, he will not lead you unto death, but he will lead you unto everlasting life. Let me tell you, the spirit man living inside of you is directly connected to the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, the Father, and all of the promises he will speak to you. He will not speak contrary to the will of the Father in your life. And so if you are hearing in your heart, I am worthless and no good, that is not the truth coming from the spirit of truth that will guide you into all truth. If you get up from here and walk away from this, this altar and say, I can't do this, you're only partly right. You can't do it in yourself. But you can do it by the power of the Spirit of the Lord if you will surrender your heart and life to Him. And how are we going to conquer this part of our flesh, this non-divine influence part of us we're going to influence by the new nature the heavenly nature that walks in divine interaction with God now let's look at Joshua 5 I've got about three hours of message and 23 minutes so thank you we're going fast so hold on now would you believe that Jericho was a stronghold. Stronghold. A Jericho is a stronghold, which means in its root form, stronghold means safe place. Safe place. It's going to happen. God's going to disrupt your safe place, folks so that you can find true safety in him. 
So you've been, you've been safe in that rejection because that rejection has relieved you from the responsibility of ministry. You've been safe in that place of isolation because that isolation has kept you from your responsibility in the kingdom of God. You have wore that identity of abandonment and an orphan mentality because it has kept you in a safe place and you don't have to challenge yourself. But I serve a God who loves me more than I can love myself. He loves me more than I can love my wife. He loves me more than I can love my children and my grandchildren. And if I see my, my, my family doing things that are going to be harmful to them, I'm going to do everything in my power to stop them. I'm, I'm not going to let my, my, my little two-year-old and three-year-old granddaughter pick up a shark knife if they're running in the room with a sharp knife I'm going after them because I know they're gonna hurt themselves let me tell you God loved you so much he knew you would hurt yourself yes Lord I'm getting to my text <laughs> this first message is gonna be a, a two-part <laughs> but I want you to look here and and in fact uh, Joshua 5 and 13 5 and 13 Learning how to conquer the, uh, the flesh by conquering the stronghold in me to live that place of promise. Now, when Joshua was by Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him. In his hand was, drawn, was a drawn sword. Joshua went to him and said, You argue for us or for our enemies? He said, neither. I am the commander of the armies of the Lord. Now I have come. Then Joshua fell with his face to the ground in worship. And he said, what does my Lord wish to say to his servant? The commander of the army of the Lord said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. Now I read this few weeks back and it stumped me I read it in a different version that I typically read and in that version it caused me to halt right there now if if you don't recognize what is taking place is Jesus is standing there with Joshua now we know that and this is what we refer to as a theopony, a, a manifestation of God in the word of the Lord. And you see that it wasn't an angel because anytime an angel is revealed, there is no, there is no one, or, or the angel will not allow man to worship that angel. They won't allow it. But anytime that you see that, that the Lord steps into the pages of the word of God and you see him standing there, it's called a theopony, and he is there revealed himself. And, and yes, if, if Joshua wouldn't worship the God, if he wouldn't worship the Lord, then let me tell you, the stones would cry out in his place. <laughs> he allowed it to happen there that day. But here they are preparing for, for battle. They have had some conquest on the other side of the Jordan, but now they're on this side of the Jordan. They're going against the first city that, that belongs to the Lord. Now Joshua is, is there and he separated himself and meditating and saying, okay, we, we've, got some, we've got to do this God's way. 
all that the church would set themselves aside and say, okay, everything else we've tried is not working. we got to do it God's way. So he's there and he's meditating possibly on some strategies as how he's going to take that city that God has called him to. Jordan is barred behind him. He can't go back. In order to get to Jerusalem, the city of peace, in order to get to, to Bethel, the, uh, the house of God, in order to get to Bethlehem, the, uh, the house of bread, he's got to go through Jericho, which sits at the foothills of the Judean mountains. Jericho is standing in front of him and the presence of God, the provision of God. So Jericho has to fall. Let me say the Jericho in me has to fall. The place that I occupy for security outside of myself or outside of Christ has to fall. Here, Joshua is thinking through the process. He doesn't have any engines of war to take this wall down. He doesn't have, he doesn't know what he's going to do. Do we go and take, you know, to the farmers in the area and steal their, their hoes and turn them into picks and, and axe and, and go knock this I don't know, I don't see that happening, Lord. That, that city has sat there for so long. That stronghold has been there for so long. Some of you are sitting here today and said, yeah, that grief and that sorrow has been there for so long and it has not moved. How do we get this done? So here's Joshua and he's meditating. He's seeking the Lord, we assume. He looks behind him and there's a man doesn't appear to have any supernatural origin because he doesn't know, is, is this a, one of our soldiers or did he come from the enemy's camp? He's got that sword drawn. Joshua, I love his boldness. He gets up, starts moving toward him, and he asks the question, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And the response stumped me. Because the response was not one I was expecting. The commander of the armies of heaven responded by saying, neither. you just do? I came out of Egyptian bondage. I went to the Red Sea. I crossed to the wilderness. I went through the Jordan. I'm standing on the other side. I did all this because God called me. Now I'm going to conquer this city and all of a sudden I, I get this response from my commander in chief, the head of arms, the entirety, the head of all of universe, heaven and earth and everything that's within it. And he tells me that he's neither on my side nor my enemy's side. question is not whether or not God is on my side. That statement was so that we could understand 
We need to be on his side. There's the power of where God is taking his church. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven in all his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. Now, I will say this in all honesty. Even as ministers' credential filled with the Spirit of God, pursuing after truth and righteousness, you can find yourself building your own kingdom. So the question is not, Lord, are you for my platform? But I need to ask the question, God, am I for you? And am I building your kingdom? Because let me tell you, we can allow, I'm going to say this, I'm going to get it out. It's been, it's been there. You can take it, leave it, lump it. Lord, are you for my political party? Or for you, are you for the other political party? Are you for my country? Or are you from for another country? Are you for my kingdom or for someone else's kingdom? And I know I just offended about half of you because you don't know me. And some of you that think you know me, you don't really know me. Because people say I say things that I never say. People say that I do things that I never do. Accuse me of things that, that are just not true. Well, you don't care about them. You don't care about this sect. You don't care about that sect. You don't care about this portion or this demographic. They, they say things and they accuse me of things. And I found that there's only one accuser. And, and he's, he accuses uh, uh, us again to the Father, and the Father. And if you're accusing, then maybe you need to check your own spirit. Now, do I believe with all of my heart we should vote according to our, our, our faith, according to moral principles? Do I believe with all my heart? And it, should it not tear and wrench our hearts in two when we seize the agendas that are coming about and how that the culture is trying to change as they are railing against God, as they are trying to change the sanctity of marriage and destroy the unborn? And oh, why wouldn't God be for the, for, for the ones that oppose? though I'm not discussing that with you today what I'm talking about is when that supersedes my discipleship and my position in Christ that are not intertwined but they are separate Jesus will not come back draped in an American flag I'm sorry to tell you now hear me I really don't mean offense in this. You're saying, well, you're being awful offensive. I love the fact that I'm an American. But if America turns away from God, I will not turn away from the Lord. There have been some very renowned 
ministers of late, not seeing transformation in the lives of individuals. And so what do they do? They turn away from the word and they turn back to culture because they're not seeing the transformation. You're here today in the kingdom of God. It's because there was blood that was poured out for you and for the purpose that you may enter into a relationship with the living God. And though you haven't seen the power of God, it doesn't mean that the power of God is not real. It's not my kingdom I'm trying to build. It's not the American kingdom I'm trying to build. It's not a, it's not a political party's kingdom I'm trying to build. I look beyond those things. And if they will compliment, if they will support if they will bless the Lord then fine but if they don't we are here to build the kingdom of the living God and it doesn't matter what flag you raise over yourself and I assure you I pray and my heart is gut-wrenched when I hear of the things that are taking place in our world and in our country today but as I've told you Wednesday night told you before they are not the enemy they're the target for the kingdom of God I want to see Jesus transform the capital the house and the senate presidency, the state level. I want to see the Spirit of God transform. I want to see him move into, into brothels and bars. And I want to see him just knock over the tables at abortion clinics. And I want to see God, more importantly, move in the church and start bringing some transformation. I, I want to see God begin to move and these young people go back to school when the, when the school is open and just lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. I, I want to see the power of the Spirit of God begin to move in our communities in such a way. But let me tell you, folks, I do believe that we need to get out of this camp. Oh, God, bless what I'm doing, bless what I'm doing, bless what I'm doing, and get over in the camp and say, oh, my God, I want to do what you're blessing. I want to do, Lord God, what you will, what you want, and what you desire. Who are you for? Neither. And in that moment when Christ Jesus gave himself up, when he gave himself up on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do let me tell you the answer to that question is this God said I'm not for neither but ultimately God is for all all that come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ should we stand against the injustices of the world absolutely should we pray for those who have rule over us? Please, if you don't pray for anyone else, pray for them. But could we pray, God? Lord God, have mercy on this nation. 
in every other nation in the world has turned against you? Could we fix our eyes upon the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and say, God, I'm going to seek you first. I want to seek you first. I want to seek to be in right standing with you so that I may rightly divide the word of truth, so that I may rightly express your passion and your love for lostness of humanity. Do you hear this morning? Folks, we have the greatest power resident inside of here. In here. And I know probably shuffled some of your foundational beliefs. I thank God that our nation started out in what the freedom to worship the Lord. But as many nations have, it's turned, it's as a nation, it's turned away from God. There's a spirit of Antichrist that is in the land today in a fist that is railing in the face of God and say, you won't tell me who I am. I will, I will tell you who I will be. And my heart breaks for that spirit, those that are entangled with that spirit. But I don't believe a political party is going to do everything that needs to be done in these last days. Unless that party is empowered by the Holy Ghost and spiritual foundation of the Word of God. I say, church, let's be on Jesus' side. And let's seek him first. And let's cry out to God to have mercy. And let's ask the Lord Jesus to let the strongholds and everything that keeps us from the presence and the peace and the power of God to be torn down in us. Because Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the God who rules the heavens, let him rule our heart. Amen? Wow. Some of you are saying, wow. He just kicked us in the teeth and booted us in the rear. But I want you to know I believe the purpose of the church is to see the transforming power of the Lord in our world. And I haven't seen it like I want to see it. I haven't seen, I've seen little pieces of it. But I want to see it in its fullness. I want to see the manifestations of the sons of God rise up. I want to see the hand of the Lord reaching through his church. And oh, I could, 
I got a message I want to share with you Wednesday. <laughs> okay, you'll get it twice. All right. Anybody ever read the story of Ezekiel and the river coming out of the house of God? Are you familiar with that? Ezekiel's river starts coming out of the house of God. Ezekiel watches it, comes out the house around the altar, and it just keeps flowing. And, gets, and the further it goes, the deeper it gets. It's at the ankle, the knees, and then the waist, and all of a sudden you can't cross over that river. And the Bible says that the river goes, and everywhere that the river touches, there's healing. And it mentions the nations. The nations are being healed because of that river. Obviously, we look through that and we say, well, that's the Spirit of God. You agree with that? But the Lord has given me another revelation. You know what? I believe that that river, no, it, it represents the Spirit of God. But could you take just for a moment and draw from 1 John? In 1 John, he says that God is what? God is love. Now, when I think about the river and the Spirit of God being love and the Spirit of God flowing from the house of God and the Spirit of God flowing out and it's getting as a further along, which represents time in history, the deep, the further you get, the deeper the love gets. Okay, we're at the ankle and now there's an outpouring to the knees. Now there's an outpouring to the waist. But oh, we get to the last of the last of the last days and now it's a river you can't cross over. But now that river of God's love is bringing healing to the nations and that is what I'm interested in that is what I want to see because let me tell you wickedness will always be wicked but only wickedness turned to righteousness can ever be right and there's no way humanity can turn back to God unless they are enveloped unless they are consumed unless they are transformed by the love that was shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit what does God have in store for his church he's got a river of life let's call the love of God flowing out of us to bring healing to our streets and to our nation God is a good God when I stop challenging you you just will pack me up and send me on okay Some of you are like, can I help you pack your bags? <laughs> but folks, I say to you today, you didn't stumble in here by accident. You're not here by mistake. God knew from before the foundation of the earth where you would be. He knew it. And he gave his son for you, and he loves you. And he's always wanted a relationship with you, not just because of the fall, but even before the fall. Let the word of God challenge you like it challenged me. And you answer that question yourself. God is everything that I stand for, is it for you? Let him topple your kingdom so that you can see the real power of God operating in your life.
Stand if you would. I want you to, I want you to do something right now with me. I had no clue as to where this was going to start or where it was going to stop. But when it comes to this last day harvest, the reason I believe as we were, I was standing over there, Andrew was responding to the Holy Spirit. The Lord is calling out harvesters. He needs you to be a harvester in these last days. But if I bring people into my kingdom, I'm not going to see them liberated. I'm not going to see them set free. I'm not going to see their hearts and their homes and their lives and their marriage and their attitude, their behavior, their culture, their operating systems and their thought life. I'm not going to be able to heal them if I bring them into my kingdom. But if I will be a son of a son under the son in the house of God, and if I will do what God wants me to do, use the weapons that he wants me to use, and if I will just do it his way by allowing his spirit to flow in me, now that person who comes in and they have been told their whole life that you're no good, you'll never amount to anything, and they're living that out, and they see the power of God reach into them, they come out of that sexuality that is perverted, and now they come into a righteous relationship with the living God when that oh you can't get the bitterness out of an individual that keeps them backbiting but oh if you get the spirit of God inside of them they will they'll change your attitude and they'll stop being old Betty bitter and they'll start becoming a Betty so much better are you hearing me and if your name is Betty I am sorry <laughs> would you pray with me right now Lord Jesus let your kingdom come. Lord, let your will be done. Oh, God, there is no, there is no stopping, Lord God, of the enemy's tactics and schemes except for the power of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we pray for our nation. That America would come to a place of repentance. We pray for our president, our vice president, his cabinet. We pray for the Senate. We pray for the House. We pray for the governors. We pray, Lord God, for every local government official. Lord, we pray, almighty God, that there would be such a shaking and an awaking, Lord God, that, Lord, it will cause them to look beyond themselves and look to you and say, oh, I pray, Father, visit them. Holy Spirit, move. Move upon them. Move into our schools, God. Move, Lord God, into the curriculum. Lord God, the, the pages of the books that have been shoved into the hearts of the children, let them see beyond that to truth that comes from you. I pray for the power of the Spirit of God that does not leave people in their sin, but delivers them, Lord God, out of that bondage into light. Lord, I pray today that, Lord, we would put ourselves wholeheartedly in 
into your hands and that we would walk according to your will and that, Lord Jesus, your kingdom come. Lord, we make that declaration in our prayer daily. Lord, let your kingdom come to crossroads as it is in heaven. Let your righteousness, Lord God, Lord, be overflowing in our hearts of understanding today. Then, Lord, we ask it in your name. Lord, we pray, Almighty God, Lord, that you will take us beyond the crumbs under the table and realize that we are sons and daughters of the Lord and that, Lord God, you have a feast and a banquet set before us, even in the presence of our enemies, Lord. We are, Lord God, seated with the firstborn son. And I thank you, Lord, for your love that will be shed abroad in our heart. Amen. Are you better? Are you bitter? Are you? No, I'm not going to do it.